Welcome to another episode of Indiana Politics. I'm Deb Chubb, and today uh, I am very pleased to introduce Hanifa Kalik. Hello. She is running for U.S. Senate in 2022. Um, uh, so far is, I think, the only candidate filed on the Democratic ticket uh, to oppose uh, the current U.S. Senator Todd Young. So Hanifa, I am just so excited to meet you and of course, very excited that you're running. So um, I want you to just start, tell us about yourself, where are you from? Why did you decide to run for US Senate? And, and, yes. and then tell us about your platform. Absolutely, Deb. Well, first of all, Deb, I wanna thank you so much for having me uh, here with you and talking with you. It's just a wonderful day uh, in the neighborhood and a wonderful day to be sitting here uh, with you. So yes, I am uh, running for United States Senate here in Indiana, and I can't think of a better time uh, to do it. It is so needed. Uh, you know, when I was in uh, the second year of my uh, law school education at Valparaiso University School of Law here, uh, well, in Valpo, uh, Valparaiso, Indiana, I noticed that we had two United States senators who were falling asleep on so many issues in the upper chamber of our Congress. And this is supposed to be a place of action. And I knew uh, that I would start studying what they do and why they do it so that I could uh, uh, introduce myself and my plan, my legislation, my goals, uh, which are so much better and so much more targeted uh, than what we have before us today. And so uh, I'm running on a platform of uh, civil rights expansion, civil rights law expansion, quality education for all. I'm gonna be fighting for livable wages. I'm going to be uh, running on a platform of constant dialogue, communication and conversation with Hoosiers, which this uh, would be an example of that. Uh, something that I, intend to continue upon my election, you know, uh, because I think it's something that us Hoosiers have been deprived of for far too long. Oh, that's great. So, and tell us, so you're from, are you from Gary? I know you're, you're living in Gary now. Tell us what yes. you do in Gary. Yeah, so uh, my parents uh, moved to Northwest Indiana about 20, well, more than 20 years ago now. And so I ended up graduating from Lake Central High School in St. John, Indiana. I went on to IUPUI, uh, pursued a an, edu an education degree, a degree in education. And I uh, became a public school teacher. So I taught uh, both domestically and abroad for a little bit just to see how that was. And I taught in charter schools and private schools as well. Uh, before returning back to law school and pursuing my uh, law degree. Now, when I became a law student, um, I knew that I was going into administrative law. I loved civil rights, I loved advocacy, and I knew that I wanted to uh, pursue that. So uh, when I graduated, I was appointed as the director for the Gary Human Relations Commission which is the uh, civil rights uh, agency uh, in Northwest Indiana. I'm also the city's ADA coordinator and uh, uh, also the Title VI coordinator. So I have the pleasure every single day of waking up in the beautiful city of Gary and going to work and fighting for people's rights every single day. 
If they feel they've been discriminated against, it doesn't matter if it's race, sex, disability. Uh, there's so many other things, uh, but uh, our agency strives to protect them. They come to us, we investigate their charge for free, and hopefully we get results for them, you know. So, and I understand uh, that you were instrumental in getting um, uh, ordinance passed to protect uh, the rights of LGBTQ plus um, community members. It is one of the milestones of my career at the Gary Human Relations Commission. And I say that because uh, I was invited to work with uh, Councilwoman Rebecca Wyatt and individuals in the law department to spearhead this legislation. This is before the Biden administration, you know, I, I don't know if you're aware, but they did, uh, the Biden administration has really been working hard for the LGBTQ plus community and individuals uh, with his executive order. But this ordinance uh, that we were working on came before that. So we were already uh, fighting and trying to protect individuals who identify uh, with the LGBTQ plus community. And it was my pleasure to help uh, with that uh, process. It's one of the milestones of my career, something I'll never forget. Very proud of it. Very oh, proud. That's excellent. There's so that's much excellent. more work that needs to be done. But there absolutely is. So I would love to hear from you about, you know, particular issues. Um, for example, um, reproductive health services. Tell me where you stand on that issue or that so, very large uh, issue. Yes, so as it relates to reproductive rights and women's rights, let me just say I'm 110%, if we could go up to 1,000%, uh, an advocate for women's rights and as it relates to reproductive rights and so much more, you wanna talk about equal pay for equal work. Uh, where do I begin? Where do I end? I'm 100% in support of Roe versus Wade and individuals, people, Hoosiers, Hoosier women can count on me to be um, a voice uh, for uh, upholding uh, the rights of women as it relates to that. And I think what we have now and what we have to continually uh, keep our eyes on is uh, governors and states who continue to introduce legislation that is so, uh, so contrary to Roe versus Wade that it is just simply unbelievable. The fight remains because we have governors like the one from Arkansas who just, uh, you know, uh, says, well, well, we don't, we don't uh, want to allow that under any, uh, we don't want to allow abortion under any circumstances. This is just, uh, this is clearly a violation of Roe versus Wade. Well, and so, now we you know, see, you know, that that particular statute that that governor signed into law, um, you know, was intentionally produced, they know it's not constitutional, but it's intended to go to the Supreme Court in the hopes that it will uh, result in uh, Roe v. Wade being overturned. And in that situation, of course, uh, you know, what we will need is federal legislation yes. that guarantees women's rights to make their own personal medical decisions. Uh, exactly. So so I guess I'm hopeful that you will be there to help get that sort of legislation passed on a federal level. Um, because of course, if Roe v. Wade is overturned, it will be up to each state uh, to decide. And that's just, that, that, you know, in, a, and, in a state like you know, ours, forget it. Yeah, and you know, it, it goes back to uh, uh, what our Vice President uh, Kamala Harris uh, said uh, in an interview, I don't know if you're aware, but she said, just give me one law, 
just give me one law uh, for the male uh, genitalia, uh, just one, you know, and, uh, you know, I, and she says, I rest my case, you know, and it's, uh, so we've got to continually put legis put people in office and have legislators who we know are going to protect uh, both women's rights and reproductive rights. And you can count on me uh, to do that. Uh, there's no way I'm going to disrupt uh, the history and the strides that we have made as women uh, in this country. Uh, we have fought for everything that we have. We've had to, we've had to advance our own cause. Uh, and so I uh, will uh, only continue uh, that fight, which is uh, a fight to be continued. So um, also, and I want to point out too that, you know, no one's ever going to get that out of uh, Todd Young. Uh, he is never oh. going to support um, oh, that no. sort of legislation. Not someone who's been endorsed uh, by uh, Richard Murdoch. <laughs> right, right, right. Previous so, United States Senator. Right. Uh, yeah, we cannot count on him to do anything like that. We certainly cannot count on him to um, to vote to uh, increase minimum wage um, or for other um, worker protection uh, issues. So, um, so tell us more about your platform. Where do you stand on you know uh, reasonable and uh, responsible gun ownership? Yeah, absolutely. So um, uh, again, you know, my platform is. Uh, civil rights, quality education for all, and livable wages, but I'm also concerned about gun control. Um, I just made a social media post not too long ago, uh, Deb, where I talked uh, in detail about my frustration with the fact that we have two United States senators who don't even give their condolences anymore uh, as it relates to the gun violence that continues to escalate in this country. I think uh, as, as of March, we're at over 100 mass shootings in America. Five of those came from Indiana. And a lot of people don't know that, but we did, we did have five mass shootings. And I think there was just another one the other day in Virginia. Listen, um, we have got to stop this uh, nonsense. And if you uh, or any of the listeners want to, you can visit my website, hanifacolleague.org, and you can visit uh, my policy and agenda on guns. I've got 33 national policies and agendas, if you can believe it, that I'm ready to implement. And I'm telling people what my plan is gonna be. So the first thing we need to do is we need to uh, we need to get rid of the ability to have assault rifles. There's no reason why the average uh, American should be carrying around a high capacity uh, guns. What for? You have no reason to. They just stated this, uh, this recent uh, uh, mass shooting uh, that happened at the King Supers, uh, the uh, supermarket uh, shooting. Uh, that the individual had purchased one of these guns. Now, I think it's yet to be revealed if he was actually using that particular gun, but come on, it, you have to guess. And I mean, if, you know, you can see the damage that was done, that's not something that an, uh, a pistol uh, does, you know, it's a high capacity magazine that's been used. And so it's just um, sad that we can't even get legislation for that. We can't get legislation for universal background checks. You know, this same individual uh, 
you know, uh, had uh, um, the background was clear, but you had, I believe the background was slightly, was clear, but um, there was speculation by friends and family that, you know, the guy, something was up with the guy, okay? Uh, uh, he was angry. He was making posts about, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, being, uh, have, being a victim of, of being uh, racism. You know, he had, uh, he was angry about uh, certain things, okay? So all of these things, we have to make sure that we have mental uh, checks and things like that in place so that guns are kept out of the hands of potentially dangerous people. Uh, let's see, what else? So you've got the straw gun purchases that continue to happen. You've got the loopholes at gun shows that continue to happen. And why is it uh, that every single, just about every single device gets an upgrade around here, except for guns. I think we're going into a time period in our country where we need more than just a finger to, to be able to pull a trick. They don't, you know, and I understand safety uh, mechanisms being put on, but I think we're at a point where we've got to work with gun manufacturers to make sure that more safety measures are put in place to make sure that these things don't just get to go off uh, when, you know, someone pulls a trigger. So a combination of all of those things, uh, making sure that people can't purchase guns when they're in the comfort of their own home just from the internet. What about the safety measures put in place and security measures put in place to make sure we don't get people uh, just, you know, purchasing guns from off the internet? You know, this, these types of things need to be looked into. There need to be incentives for people turning in guns. You know, uh, we wanna get as many of these things removed off of our streets as possible. And the opposite seems to be happening whenever we have a mass shooting. People go out and they buy more uh, guns because they're worried about, oh, here comes the issue again. So what we've been seeing is a revolving circle cycle of, of uh, the same thing here, mass shooting, prayers, condolences, um, congressmen and women, you know, talking about how we need legislation and then poof, gone. And then it happens all over again, mass shooting, uh, prayers, condolences, uh, talk about legislation, poof, gone again. And it's just a circle, 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 circle. And so what we need is, you know, individuals who, uh, can, uh, continue to, uh, you know, like me, continue to stress the importance of this and continue to create and co-sponsor and support legislation that brings it to an end. Yeah, I will say, um, you know, on that topic, uh, here in Indiana at the state legislative level, um, like you say, it's going backwards. Uh, there's legislation yes. that is threatening to be passed. Gun permits. That, right, to get rid of all gun permits. And, and, it, and even the police now are finally, you know, stepping up and saying, well, now, wait a minute. Uh, how will we know when we come upon someone with a gun, you know, 
if you know if if no one has to have a permit you don't know who's gone through the background check you don't know anything so and then also i want to point out um you know the um the the violence against women act you know that's still kind of hanging oh. around the congress passed it and you know and uh, our own congresswoman uh victoria sparks uh, voted against it as did all the republican um you know congress people from indiana um, because it includes this other, um, you know, loophole that, you know, that uh, the Democrats uh, wanted to close, which was uh, that you you could go after um, a, a man who committed domestic violence against a woman and only if, and, and keep them on the, you know, on the red, some kind of notice where, you know, you could take away their guns, but only if they're the husband. Oh. And I mean, and, I, and it was just the week before, you know, our Republican Congress people voted against it, that a woman in Indianapolis and her family were shot and killed by yeah. a, an ex-boyfriend. I'm aware of that. Yeah, yes. I, you know, so it is just shocking that that someone in this day and age would say, oh no, only if you are married, you know, <laughs> are you, you know, are you going to be regulated uh, for violence against your domestic partner? Uh, so anyway, very shocking. So, and I do want to note too that uh, I have been to your website, and you have a very extensive um, list of positions on all on a plethora of issues. And so, I really appreciate that. I think that is wonderful that you have that out there. It's just very transparent, and you know everyone can see exactly where you stand on many many issues. So, um, so yes, tell me I more see. about your platform. What do you, you know? What are the priorities for you? Yeah, so one of the things um, that I really uh, would like to concentrate on is livable wages. You know, we're uh, living in a country now where we are seeing uh, just a very, um, coupled with the pandemic, we are seeing people who are just, they're at their wit's end. And it starts with their take-home pay. Um, you know, I was talking with uh, a Republican the other day, uh, who's also a business owner, who was opposed to the $15 uh, minimum wage increase. Uh, part of my campaign strategy is to talk with uh, Democrats, but also to reach across the aisle, because this is what I promised to do uh, uh, as a legislator. I promise to uh, listen to uh, what my Republican uh, uh, friends and, and colleagues have to say uh, as well. I can't say that I'm going to agree uh, with them on everything, but I will listen. I will listen and I will respond. My response uh, to him was really just to listen to the um, uh, what was going on inside of his head and why he thought that the $15 minimum wage was absurd. One of the things he said to me was, listen, if I wait, uh, raise my minimum uh, wage, raise them, uh, uh, if it's raised to $15, I have no choice but to raise the, uh, the cost of my products. And I said, you know, I said, well, I don't think you're going to have to do that <laughs> because when you raise your the minimum wage of your workers, that's going to result in the, uh, uh, the increase of their productivity. And they're going, to, uh, they're going to work better. They're going to work uh, 
want to work longer and that's going to help you out as a business owner. And the fact that you are probably uh, more than likely like Bernie uh, Sanders had mentioned uh, uh, some time ago that uh, more than likely you're bringing in 700 to 1000% of what your workers are bringing in. And I don't think that's fair. I think $15 uh, an hour is a start, certainly not a finish, but I'm going to be advocating for livable wages, which I think should be dependent on the income of uh, you know, what some of these uh, employers, businesses, and companies are bringing in. You know, I don't call having to take a, a, a break on your summer vacations or your vacations uh, you know, here and there. Maybe you'll have to take uh, five instead of uh, 10. <laughs> I, I, I don't call that, uh, uh, you know, being that much of a sacrifice when it comes to keeping a happy workforce. And that's what uh, these individuals have to understand is that a happy employee uh, uh, contributes to your business more than anything else. Uh, you know, so let's get these folks a $15 minimum wage. Let's get them livable wages. Let's work on that and uh, get them some take-home pay that they can be proud of. And uh, uh, that's a continuous stimulus package, I think, right there, right? <laughs> yeah, that's great. And I think, you know, we can really look to some of the larger corporations like Costco um, who have voluntarily, you know, increased oh, yes. the wages uh, up to, I think, $16 per hour starting wage for, um, for everyone that works at Costco. Um, because, you know, it, it, there's nothing wrong with it. People can do it. And I suppose, you know, small, small, small businesses, um, you know, can, you know, maybe look for some kind of, a, you know, a, a phased in um, increase uh, that would support them, you know, in the first beginnings of a small business. Uh, but certainly most people yes. who work for large companies, really, uh, there's no excuse for, for not yes. increasing those wages. Yes. So, okay, and great. And now tell us um, about your campaign. What is going on? Are you having events? Um, what, what's, what's your plan? What's your yeah, plan to beat so Todd Young is really... Like, you know, I better uh, have events. I better have them continually uh, going on. And so it's just one set right after another. And so uh, the series of events that I'm having right now, um, they are called Hoosier Hours with Hanifa. And they're special Zoom hours that I am offering in, uh, for all of the nine congressional districts, uh, Hoosiers who are living in all of the nine congressional districts and uh, inviting them to come and talk with me for an hour. So what I usually do is give my uh, introduction of where I'm from, what my platform is and why you know, uh, I'm running. And then I allow uh, questions from anyone who's in attendance. Their video doesn't have to be on if they're not comfortable with that. And these meetings are not recorded or published. So uh, that kind of puts a lot of Hoosiers at ease, you know, about uh, uh, being on camera. You know, not everyone is uh, comfortable with everything, you know, being published. So I'm hoping uh, that that puts Hoosiers at ease to talk and have conversation with me. And you know, on my election, I, I hope to continue to have these Hoosier hours with NEPA. And the reason 
uh, is because certainly I, it's impossible for me to know as much as 6.7 plus million of, of, of you, of Hoosiers. And there's so much knowledge and education and experience that come with you. I've got to find time That's to right. listen. I've got well, to find time to listen, so. Good. And I, I do want to mention, um, you know, Senate um, uh, S1, the, the For the People Act, um, because that really is going to um, play a big part in the success of candidates like you, um, you know, who are not, uh, you know, who live in supermajority uh, red states um, and where the district lines are going to be redrawn by, you know, the Republicans and majority and are going to make it more and more difficult for uh, people, you women, people of color, people who are, you know, are not in the party of majority to even have a chance. So, um, so I'm really um, looking forward to that getting passed and, um, and I hope you talk about it a lot because we really need this, um, we really need this federal legislation to protect our democracy. Let me tell you, when I read uh, the details of the For the People Act, my, uh, I'm just smiling from ear to ear because it covers literally everything about, uh, you know, our voting and access to voting all the wonderful things uh, that are in it. it is just a piece of legislation that has come forth that is just superb and I support it 110%, you know. Uh, wish I was in the United States Senate to uh, uh, show my uh, support for it, of course, after having engaged with Hoosiers. But these two United States senators, and I have to stress this, Deb, that these guys are not going to support uh, the For the People Act. They're just simply not. And what they fail to realize is they're so busy thinking that it's going to annihilate them that they forget uh, that there are many uh, people who are also in their part who will benefit from having uh, the For the People Act as well, who don't have access uh, to voting and you know need voting rights as well. So that's their mistake. A lot of times I, I feel like there is um, uh, a lot of overgeneralization, a lot of assumptions uh, that, oh, this is only gonna help this certain group of people. And so we've got to do everything we can to keep them out. Oh, this is gonna lead to fraud. No, it's not, no, it's not. <laughs> you know, it's just kind of like with the American uh, rescue plan. Oh, it's too much money. There's too much stuff in there that people don't need. And, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of fat in, in court that we need to trim from it and this and that and the other. And they fail to realize the countless millions uh, that are in their own party that were bene uh, beneficiaries of this money. And even our own Indiana legislature received the money. They didn't give it back. Now yeah. they're fighting about how to spend it. Can you imagine? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. It just doesn't make sense to me. You know, it's like, the point of government is to provide for the social welfare of its people. If the government is not, for, listen, I've been to places, I've been to places where the government is not providing for the social welfare of its citizens. It's not pretty dead. You know, I've been where there's no uh, social security for uh, the senior citizens or the differently able. I just made a post about this the other day talking about, uh, in fact, today, I think my team put that out is, you know, we've got um, 
uh, to make sure that we have these social service programs running in a robust way so that our citizens have exactly what they need, not just Hoosiers, the American people as a whole. And these guys, I don't know, to me, they their actions look like, uh, I don't think they're thinking about the American people. I think they're just thinking about, I don't know, maybe themselves or maybe their own families or what have you. These guys can't make decisions for uh, Americans as a whole. They can't be trusted to do that. Well, in fact, um, you know, the For the People Act um, will do a lot to uncover um, motivations of these senators because it will do a lot to uncover who is donating uh, yes. millions, you know, of dollars to those yes. to their campaigns. Uh, yes. So uh, that is another good reason to get that piece of legislation passed. So, yes. all right, we're almost out of time, but I do want to uh, ask you to tell us, you know, how people can find you. Where can they find you online, etc. Absolutely, Deb. Well, you know, one of the things that I'm running on is a platform of constant communication and dialogue. In fact, I probably receive about 50, maybe maybe between 30 and 50 texts a day from Hoosiers, and I try my best to respond to them all. Um, uh, the 317-999-5592 number routes to my personal phone. And so I get messages, I get phone calls, and I respond as quickly as I can. And so people can always reach out to me. And this is the same number that's posted everywhere, <laughs> just about. Uh, you can reach me through there, or you can also uh, go to my website, hanifakalik.org, and send me a message uh, as well. Some are not too comfortable with the direct uh, uh, and immediate communication. They'd rather write out what they wanna say. And so when you send over your email, a member of my team takes a look at that and that gets forwarded to me and I do my best uh, to respond. And then some days uh, I look at uh, the emails that come in and I personally respond myself, you know, to what I see coming in. And so I've got my days where I uh, allot to Hoosiers and responding to messages and phone calls directly because I think, like I said, uh, we've been deprived of that for far too long. I think, um, I don't think you should have to fly all the way to Washington to meet with your, uh, your legislator. And I don't think you should have to be a part of a targeted audience or VIP when you're wanting to meet and talk with your legislator. It's, out, it's outrageous that those are the examples that we've seen. That's not how it's yeah. supposed to be. Right. And if they can't put in, put in twice the work, and twice the energy, then they need to get out of there twice as fast <laughs> and uh, let somebody in who's saying that they can do it. And I know that I can do it. Great. And I'm sure you're on social media as well. What is your oh, handle on social media? Absolutely. So if you take a look, if you look up Kalik for Senate, uh, you should find me. But if you go to any uh, search engine and you just type in Hanifa Kalik, all my stuff will come up. Or if you go to my website, uh, you'll see all the links to my social media at the bottom. I've got a YouTube channel, Facebook. Uh, uh, I'm on Twitter. Uh, I'm even on TikTok. <laughs> you can oh. believe that. I, I'm trying. It's <laughs> kind of, you know, a little bit difficult to navigate through for my old eyes, I think. But uh I am trying. And then I'm also on Instagram, Snapchat, all of them, just trying to make sure that I'm utilizing all the social media to, you know, to my advantage as much as possible. 
Uh, when you're a grassroots candidate, you've got to use every single uh, source, you know, that's possible. So. That's right. That's right. All right. Well, great. And so thank you so much for joining me and talking. I'm just so happy to meet you and hear all about you. Uh, so again, um, I'm just going to spell your name because it's not yes. intuitive. So Hanifa Kalik. So it's H-A-N-E-E-F-A-H Kalik K-H-A-A-L-I-Q. So for those who, you know, can't grasp it. So, so if you're looking, you're up, there's, there, there's the spelling. So, yeah. all right, great. Terrific to meet you. And uh, hopefully we will get to do this again. I look forward to seeing you on the campaign trail. Absolutely, Deb. I'll be around. Just hit me up anytime.